stop it, please. Instead, by dialing in the right language at the right time and the proper sequencing of the sales journey, that's what consistently creates the pre-sold client and takes the guesswork out of consistent client attraction. Here's the hard truth. People are conditioned to ignore your marketing message. Most of the stuff you'd create doesn't get read, doesn't get watched, and ultimately, nobody buys from it. I'm Jason Lynette, and I'm here to help you stop being the best kept secret to the people you know you can help. If you're a business owner, and if you're ready to cut through the overwhelm of launching something that creates massive impact and brings in an awesome income, you are in the right place. Welcome to Attract Pre-Sold Clients. Cockroaches. I had cockroaches. It's like 20 years ago, and I was living in downtown Baltimore. And back then, the definition of a historic building, basically, I learned, meant that I could not have internet, and I could only have cable if we paid the cable company to run the cable through my window, not through the wall. So I kind of had crappy cable, I didn't really have the internet, and I had cockroaches. Sounds like a real win-win situation, right? And so I called the pest control company and we make a plan for them to come out and take care of the issue, to do a treatment. And you really have to respect this company, not just for the fact that clearly they know their expertise and they clearly knew how to resolve the issue in a safe way, and they also had the gift of how to be painfully transparent and honest with you because there's no resolving this issue. I, I can still remember the guy on the phone explaining, look, you're going to spray, and then the bugs are going to go to your neighbor's house, and then they're going to likely hire us or someone else, and then they're going to do a treatment, and the cockroaches will then move back into your home. That's why this is an annual plan. That's why we come out once a month. This is why you cannot hire us just to come out one time and spray. That's not going to work. You need us every month. And didn't cockroaches live in the time of dinosaurs? So it does kind of make sense. These things are crazy resilient. And, and here's the thing. That's the reason I tell you the story is that every question I asked, they had a clearly prepared answer and an extremely satisfying answer that kept the conversation going. And I want you to hear this very carefully, what I'm about to say. None of it sounded scripted, yet clearly they had to have had some kind of script or let's maybe say phone tree or outline. If someone asks this question, here's the answer. If they ask this question, here's the reframe and here's the better question they should have asked and here's how to redirect it. And I, as part of my history, I worked in backstage production theater and if you ever had to get like, you know, a kid to be in a play who was not a professional actor, it sometimes wasn't a matter of were they a good actor or not. It was could they recite the words out loud from the script in a way that it didn't sound as if they were reciting something that was memorized. And something about this conversation was not just the inspiration to then pay for the service and migrate the cockroaches to my neighbors for a couple of weeks before they came back and then the company came out and did a treatment again. It was more so how, and I want you to hear this kind of creative way of describing it, it genuinely felt as if they were making it all up as we went. Not making it up 
as in inventing answers to try to satisfy me to get my money. No, not that at all. It had the real feel of a genuine conversation. And it was so satisfying that not only did I pay them, I almost decided to not tell the next part of the story here, yet I realized it's the real reason to talk about the cockroaches. Because I did something that in retrospect might not have been ethical, but I have a good excuse. Because I did pay for their services. <laughs> I did pay for their services. I sent a bunch of referrals. I was, you know, doing whatever I could to, you know, satisfy the whole karmic uh, relationship of all of this. So I did pay for their services. So now let me tell you, I then called back five more times. As a budding entrepreneur, I wanted to hear it again. I called back five more times from five different phone numbers. I shared different addresses. Uh, for one or two more of the calls, I think I did say they were cockroaches. For some of the others, I think I said one was mice. I said something that was a bug that I can tell was not a cockroach. And he goes, oh, it's this. And I go, well, I think it's termites. And he goes, termites move in this direction. Uh, the bugs you're describing don't move that direction, so they're most likely not termites. However, the technician will be able to resolve that the first time we They had an answer for everything. I mean, can you hear just how excited I was talking? And I hate bugs. That's why we wanted to murder those things. Yet it was the unpacking of the sales process. And my excuse to this day is that, yes, I did pay a pretty good amount of money and I did engage their time in a slightly questionable way to hear their conversational phone strategy and see if I could hack it. I mean, who knew that having some cockroaches as uh, roommates would be the perfect kickoff to running a seven-figure business that creates impact all around the world? So this week on Attract Pre-Sold Clients, Assumptive Selling 101, how to get your clients to sell themselves into what you do even before you ask for the sale. Before we get started here, let me share with you a phrase to lock into your brain. Telling does not always equal selling. And one more time, telling does not always equal selling. Granted, notice that that was not an absolute phrase. That was not selling. Telling never equals selling. Yet I would argue that most of the time, if you think about the structure of how a conversation ought to flow, if you are just kind of monologuing at the person on the other side and there's no interaction, one, why did it even need to be a conversation and perhaps not a webinar or some sort of automated mechanism? And two, it's the fact that one of the biggest things I've learned is that as much as I teach and as much as what we consult on is ethical business influence and sales persuasion, the most influential message that you need for your marketing to be effective actually comes from your client. It comes from your client and not your brain. So on a previous episode of this program, I did a whole thing on what I call Stop the Content Confetti Canon, that one of the biggest errors in our sales process is often that of assumption. This idea that we can go into our magical little incubative brains and problem solve everything on our own, and by doing so, just assume we know exactly what people need. The biggest fault that I often run into is that you end up guessing what people want. And remember this, you have two ears and one mouth. 
And your communication very often should be completely proportionate to that. If you are just monologuing, if you are just talking at your people and then going, hey, you want to pay me? You might have a slightly more finessed and appropriate way of saying that, yet this characterization of it begins to make sense, doesn't it? So telling does not always equal selling. The most influential message you need for your marketing and your sales process actually comes from your client and not always just from your brain. The the side note to this conversation that we're having right now, you and I, good to have you here, would be that it's that error of dipping into what's important to you and me. You know, I can look at things from the expert level of what I teach, what my team and I consult on, and what we help people to do, yet it always has got to begin in your conversation, in your mind. If we're not matching up to that, we're going to completely miss the mark, and you don't yet know the things that I do are important. Let's go back to the cockroach story from earlier. They were introducing new criteria as to how I would make the decision as to what pest control company to choose. And here's the part that I just realized I edited out of that intro, but now I feel the need to tell you. For one of them, I told them, get this, well, I have a cat and like she's kind of weird and like she licks the baseboards. Like I remember growing up, we had an issue with ants in my parents' home uh, where we used to live. And like, I remember they sprayed the baseboards, but if you're going to do that in my apartment, What about my cat that licks the baseboards? This is, by the way, exactly the kind of quality metaphor and teaching mechanism you can expect from Jason Lynette here and the Attract Pre-Sold Clients podcast. And back to the pest control company, they then responded, oh, that's why everything we use cannot necessarily be, you know, measured as being organic, but it meets the same criteria. So not that you would, you could actually drink half the bottle of our solution and You know, you might feel a little queasy, but you'd be all right. It's non-toxic, but it is to the cockroaches. I'm like, these people are great. And now I need to get a cat in case I forgot that was the one that I hired. (laughs) So this idea of stepping out of your own ideas, this is the downfall of what happens and how what I help with is not, here's your objection crushers, here's your closing strategies, the stuff that usually you would find. If you were to look up on the web, the ideas of the big things that I tend to talk about of influence and persuasion, most of the stuff that's out there with these words is kind of more from this sort of alpha male mindset trying to dominate the conversation, trying to put people in their place, twisting the knife to the point of pain and then going, oh, because of that, you need to sign up for my thing. And I hate that crap too, so I'm not going to tell you to do it. How's that for a positive little uh, manifesto there. So I always knew though, back to my business, back to why you're here, I always knew that hiring the expert, hiring the coach was the fastest way to fast track my results, easiest way to get there. And I mean, that's at its core, part of the story of hiring the pest control company. They were the experts at murdering bugs or migrating them elsewhere to then have them vacation back in my home once again. And there's another story more specifically about sales that helps to illustrate this before I share with you this assumptive selling strategy. That my first year in business, I looked around and I found someone who had done pretty similar, the exact same thing that I wanted to do. And he was someone who already offered some kind of coaching service. And 
Uh, in retrospect, it was an extremely reasonable price for what he was offering. And I would say he probably helped to cut about three or four years uh, off of my journey by just helping me to focus on what was important rather than getting you know sidetracked and all the shiny object stuff that we as business owners often get caught up inside of. That was the first year. That was a huge win. Here is the story, though, of my second attempt to hire someone to help me out. Basically, I had what I can look back and recognize was a little bit more of a tactical desire. I had always offered training programs, and I'd always had a camera running during my training programs. And all of a sudden, something clicked, and I saw sort of a framework to release all the video content in a logical way. There was a problem, though. I had never released an online membership program. And this is all the way back, I believe, prior to 2010, when that was like magic. And like nowadays, there's all sorts of ways to do it that are all a whole lot easier than it was back then. So I reached out to somebody who was in a different industry than I was, but I knew he had the skill. He had the skill set of putting out an online training program. And I'm telling you, he just steamrolled over me in the conversation. He spoke over me. He interrupted me. He didn't listen to my specific situation. And I mean, I'm laying it out there. I am making it. I'm an easy sell uh, when I'm a qualified buyer. I'm a ridiculously easy sell. And I pre-qualified it. I mean, here's the guy who has done this. And I reach out. Hey, I have this idea for an online program. And you've already done this. I never have. Could I hire you for a couple of meetings for you to, you know, basically show and tell, you know, show me what to use, tell me what not to use. And I can see the intention behind what he was doing, but it was not the right strategy. Yeah, Jason, but what's holding you back? Um, nothing. I, I just had this idea last week. Like I've been filming content. It's already produced. Yet the question was, what's the logical way to put all this content together in a single program? And it just clicked like last week. And now you're someone who's done something like this for a different audience. Yeah, Jason, I know. That's what's easy to say. But what's been holding you back? Um, Nothing, really. I just had this idea last week. And rather than hold myself back and try to believe I can do it all myself, uh, you're someone who's already done it. Yeah, I know. That's the easy game. Like he's saying the same crap over and over. Yeah, but what's holding you back? And I find a polite way to exit the call. Hired someone else and less than two hours later had the solution I was looking for. Positive story. I'll censor it here. Uh, I ran into this man at a marketing convention a few years later. And just, it's an amazing moment when someone walks up to you with the hand extended, going for a handshake, big smile on his face. And he says, I was such an a-hole that day to you. And I get to match the positive energy and say, yes, you were. And you lost $2,000 because I paid someone else within three hours. He goes, I know. I see what you've done. And um, I've gotten better at it. So the whole reason I tell you that story, uh, that's not assumptive selling. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> and I point that out because it's something that I've kind of discovered that while many others are, you know, trying to teach you closing strategies and objection crushers, I got to tell you, I believe at its core, every technique, every method, even for like personal change stuff, all the different modalities and options people have and marketing, people love to get polarized on marketing. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. I kind of approach everything from this realistic perspective that everything works. It's a matter of how you do it. 
That's why a big part of the consulting that I now do is what needs to be there before any other method is going to be effective. Other people are telling you, you need to be on Twitter, you need to be on TikTok, you need to have an online program, you need to run a challenge. However, the reality is those things do work, yet for the majority of people who do them, they don't work. And the reason why is the core influential elements are not there at all for people to actually have a desire to move forward with you. And you're just doing a thing and trying to sell a thing and you're just confusing the hell out of everyone and stop it, please. Instead, by dialing in the right language at the right time and the proper sequencing of the sales journey, that's what consistently creates the pre-sold client and takes the guesswork out of consistent client attraction. So the obvious way of trying to resolve this problem is to think, I need a closing script. I need some objection crushers. Um, I need to say this magic statement if he ever says, I need to talk to my wife about this. And I firmly believe, you know, everything does work, yet my experience and many others, the more you try to just simply use someone else's language, you try to use someone else's pre-rehearsed thing, it doesn't have, I'm now wanting to say the cockroach feeling, which I'm realizing will make sense to you, but out of context, what the hell is Jason Lynette talking about? It doesn't have that organic sense to it. So it's something that you can actually end up costing yourself the sale, completely losing it by the sort of snappy answers to silly questions approach, which is a reference back to the old classic Mad Magazines. So the problem with the way that most people try to teach you conversational sales is they tell you what to say. I'm here to tell you how to listen. Even better, how to ask the right questions at the right time to get that person on the other end of that conversation to open up and covertly, subconsciously reveal to you their exact buying strategies. Exactly which, whatever dominoes, whatever metaphors you like, whatever dominoes need to be knocked over, whatever hurdles need to be jumped, whatever buttons need to be pressed, people don't realize it, but they are covertly, in the privacy of their own mind, revealing to you their exact decision-making strategies, their exact buying strategies. And if you don't yet know how to get them to comfortably reveal them in a way that doesn't feel as if you're like trying to bash them over the head with a sales offer, I'll tell you the results are going to be predictable, but not predictable in the way that you want. So here's part of the solution of what I call assumptive selling. Let's call this assumptive selling 101. Phase one has got nothing to do with what you say or even what you ask. It's something that I will say this passionately, and I'll say it as a bit of a challenge. If you cannot yet step into the belief system that the person on the other side of the conversation that you're having is the most fascinating person you've met, at least today, and is someone that you deeply care about helping them find a solution to their problem, if you can't do that, you're probably in the wrong business or you probably have the complete wrong perspective and understanding about what it means to sell somebody something or even offer a solution or even have some sort of a sales conversation, even if you're trying to be clever and call it a strategy session or a screening call or a discovery call. If you can't find a real emotional connection to actually 
feeling something that you truly and genuinely want to solve that person's problem, not just, you know, fill a spot on a spreadsheet at the end of the week. It's time to rethink a couple of things. Uh, Part of this is, again, stepping into a place of actually giving a damn about what you do and caring about the people who are the other side of it. It's the old premise that anybody can sell something once. Once being the most important word. And I'll tell you, not to go too deep on this here, but with the right mental shifts, with the right mental focus, you don't need the old school stuff about, oh, sit like they sit, move like they move, use their words, try to mirror their accent. Don't. Seriously, don't do that. (laughs) You laugh, but I've heard that before. But all this stuff that's meant to kind of trick the neurological system to feeling a sense of affinity or rapport, that is kind of that old school way of doing it. I would say that as a culture, you don't want to be found out on that. And I'd rather you not have to fake it. I would rather you genuinely feel it. One of the ways to do that is to deeply focus a genuine sense of care on diagnosing what needs to be addressed before you ever consider offering something. The simple rule, if you cannot diagnose it, you cannot offer a solution. And yes, an obvious side note here before I have people at my front door with torches and pitchforks, I am using the word diagnose, obviously, in a non-medical form. Relax. I know. (laughs) Part of my crowd are therapists and they get hung up on specific words. Uh, And that's part of the issue, it turns out. Yet again, if you cannot diagnose the problem, you cannot offer a solution. Otherwise, you're the whole reason sales has a bad reputation. And can we just call out how in an episode of this program about assumptive selling, most of my time with you so far has been, aside from the cockroach story, has been focused on what does that internal story need to be with you? It's what they say in improv acting. You go first. And if you're having an issue getting there, reach out to me and my team will have a chat about that and exactly how we can help you to overcome that. Sometimes it is. The way you're describing what you do is unfortunately what's important to you, but it's not what's important to them. So the whole art of assumptive selling is that the power is not in the magical, clever statements that you come up with. No, the power is in the questions that you ask. And I will do my best here in the time we have together to share a few of the questions that I found to be, let's say, a little bit more universal. Yet then again, this is why a lot of what we do as a consulting service is a bit more one-to-one at the beginning of the journey because you all have very different businesses and very different offers and very different backstories. And the artistry is how it applies to you. Yes, this clearly works. However, it works even better because we make it a point to hold your hand along the journey and customize it along with you as a done with you kind of service, not just here's the videos, good luck figuring it out. So the power is always in the questions that you ask. I'll tell you one of my favorites with a disclaimer. In some coaching circles, they would say, avoid the word why. The word why puts people on a bit of an accusatory, a bit of a defensive thing. If I was with you right now and I said, why are you wearing those shoes? Even if I tried to say it in a caring sort of demeanor or come across as passive aggressive, oh, why are you wearing those shoes? As opposed to, oh, 
Uh, walk me through, like, this outfit looks amazing. Uh, how did you decide on those shoes? You see, that's a better way of asking it. And like most men, I own, I think, five pair of shoes, and two of them look exactly the same. So I give you the disclaimer as to, some would say, avoid the why thing. I love the word why, because intentionally, I do things differently. I want it to begin with a bit of a deer in the headlights moment. And my favorite is, all right, well, why now? And it brings to the surface the important stuff. It brings to the surface the more tangible as well as emotional goals. And this next question is one that needs a little bit of a softener to it, yet I'll find the way in a conversation to go, why me? Which I want to hear where they are in the journey, you know, because something that I call subconscious sales system, if like they just found a website and three minutes later, they're calling me up and hopping on a call somehow, it's where there may be some other stuff that could serve them better rather than diving into a conversation. And let's not, a, a big thing that I say, we have a team, you know, inside of my company. It's not just me. And even the staff that's part of the, you know, sort of customer service side of things, having interactions with you, uh, doing audits at times and helping you to kind of figure out why things are not yet working and making specific suggestions as to what needs to happen to make them work. We have a we have a bit of a core value that we tend to lean on, which is it comes around to relationships. It comes around to what's important inside of this dialogue. And it's not, it's not that we don't want to make an offer to someone because they might say no. It's not that. It's instead, we don't want to create a scenario where an offer is being presented to someone who is not yet qualified to make the decision and might not even be qualified to be a part of it. And it's not that, oh crap, we've wasted our time. We lost the sale. Grr, we could have booked that time for someone else. No. It's from, again, from a genuinely caring perspective, you'd potentially ruin that person's day by dangling something that clearly is what they need in front of them with the advanced knowledge that they're not going to be able to do it. Don't do that. So this is where the question of why me actually helps to open up a conversation and it tells you how, let's say, how sophisticated they are in the journey in terms of figuring out who you are and what specifically you do and why specifically they should be doing business with you. What I'm really sharing here is that the right questions at the right time put people into a place where they are placing themselves in their solution. And by asking the questions in a strategically pointed way, they are putting themselves in their solution through the mechanism of the program, the service that you provide. You are inviting them to imagine rehearsing, having already said yes, and having already been through the program that you offer. And by doing so, again, on a podcast called Attract Pre-Sold Clients, with a website, attractpresoldclients.com, do you see the big focus that we put through the filter of everything I share, I teach, and even what we do with those of you working with us privately one-to-one? -one? It comes around to asking the questions in a way whereby answering it, they are, again, revealing their specific emotional and tactical decision-making strategies, revealing their specific values, and by answering, they are connecting themselves to your specific offer, your specific program or service, and rehearsing, enjoying the result as a means of having gone through what you do. 
And that may sound manipulative. And guess what? Yes, it is. But then again, all communication is influential. All communication is persuasive. All communication is manipulative, even if it's just you saying to your loved ones, hey, we have these leftovers in the fridge. Let's have those for dinner tonight. However, here's the beauty of this. And here's the the safety net that's important to point out. A person cannot progress in the conversation if the questions you're asking and inviting an answer are not in direct alignment with their values, their goals, and what they truly believe in. There's someone on my team who pointed this out. He goes, I worked for a health and wellness company at one point, he goes, and it was just sort of, you know, steamroll them with the uh, offer. And then if they say no, connect it to, oh, I guess you don't want those results. Like it was bullying, basically. And what he said is he goes, I love this approach to assumptive selling when it's all dialed in with the right mechanisms, because sometimes it becomes an extremely short conversation. And hallelujah, it means you're not going to be putting an offer in front of that person. If they can't put themselves in the journey, there's no need to then make the offer. And here's kind of the mindset underneath this that you're not going to find in someone's fancy sales script they're trying to sell you for 27 bucks on the internet, uh, that you're not going to find in some objection crusher book that's collecting dust at a Barnes and Noble. It's to think that the selling process, the sales journey is actually an extension of coaching. And let me define this in a slightly unique way, because I would separate coaching and consulting. Even for those of you that say, I'm a coach. And for those of you that would say, I'm a consultant, you actually end up doing a bit of both. Let's be fair. By my definition, coaching is a journey from which you invite someone to go through a journey where they come up with their own discoveries. Consulting, do this. Remember my story of the a-hole trying to steamroll me into, yeah, but what's holding you back? He was trying to dip into coaching. I was looking for consulting. And I will very passionately argue that was the only thing I was looking for at that time. Because the brainstorming clicked. It was like, oh, there it is but how do I do it? So I was asking for consulting. He was trying to sell coaching. And there's the most polite way of saying why it was a wrong decision on his behalf. And we're still friends. So as you think about this though, if you had the right questions to ask your clients, your potential clients to then inspire them to sell themselves into what you do, well, think about it. What would that do for you? And you might've already picked up as much as I'm recording here in my home studio, I can already feel the sensation that some of you are smiling because you're seeing exactly what just happened there. If you had blank, what would that do for you? And this is where fill in the blank. What would be a thing that you do that you can then introduce? Well, if you had someone to, let's go back to my example, if you had someone to help you to better storyboard the beginning of your program so that You could eradicate buyer's remorse and have people raving about your program and making referrals to it even before they actually completed that. I mean, what would that do for you? Oh, that's what I want, which yes, that's part of what we do, by the way. Uh, And this is where there's a story that comes to mind here and I'll make it brief. And it's something that even I struggled with. It's where in the sales journey, hold me back I can be one of the most guilty people of dipping into coaching, of offering tactics. 
And it's not that you need to buy it to get it. No, it's that when you're offering specific tactics and telling them, oh, just do this in a sales call, it feels like a solution. But you and I both know it's an incomplete solution. They don't yet have the entire system. They don't yet have the support that you may likely be offering inside of exactly what you provide. I had a student, uh, Amy, she's over in the UK, and this was one of her biggest breakthroughs. This is the thing that she said had to happen for her to then take what she does and let it become her full-time career to consistently bring in the right clients that's keeping everything running as strong as it is. She goes, I felt like I was giving so much away in my calls, and then they wouldn't book with me because they felt like they had a solution. And yet, she goes, from my expertise, I knew they didn't have the entire solution. They had like the chapter header. They didn't have the, this is why even what we do is a done with you as opposed to here's your course, good luck. So you do owe it to your clients to hold back. And here's a formula that makes it easy. Share the what, present the why, sell the how. Let me say that again, it's that important. Share the what, present the why, sell the how. And to bring this whole theme of assumptive selling together, let me plant a few more ideas here, which is that it's partly your goal to create a separation, to draw comparisons that invite them to do the diagnostic process on your behalf. So anybody who was offended that I used the word diagnose, oh, look at that now, I'm letting the potential client, the prospect, do the diagnosis for us. They're gonna diagnose their problem and they're gonna be the one who then sells themselves into what we do. That if you go back through this episode again, what I want you to notice is how most of my focus has been on creating a genuine connection. Most of my focus has been on actually caring about the outcome, and most of my focus has been on getting people to open up. And I simply invite you to think about a time where you were certain that someone should have bought from you, like everything was lining up, you were 100% confident that person should have bought from you, and think back to a situation where, again, you were certain that they should have taken the next logical step. And when you consider some of the themes that I've been talking about around assumptive selling and the secrets behind this, does it begin to make sense why you didn't get the sale? Can you begin to see how if you looked at it from a different angle, what would have been different if you got that person to open up in a way where now they are revealing their exact decision-making criteria without them even realizing it? And here's a better question too. If you had a way to seamlessly explain your product or your service 100% through the filter of their specific journey, their specific desires and needs, if you had a way to seamlessly present what you do, let's say as an offer, through the filters of their specific desires, goals, belief systems, uh, dreams, fears, in a way that then presented it to be a 100% match to what they need. Well, think about it to yourself. What would that do for you? How would that be different from what you're currently doing now? And yes, I can feel the smiles on some of your faces as I get to now sit over here and say, see what I did there? If you didn't catch it, go back and listen to the last minute or so. And you heard some of the formula inside of that. 
And yes, I'm a bit more in a monologue format as it's a podcast that I'm recording and speaking directly to you. Yet wherever those questions were is an opportunity to then engage. So two things. If you didn't catch what I just did there, go back and listen to it like the last minute or so once again, and you're going to hear it this time. And second thing, if this is something you see you want some help with, reach out to us. We'd love to help. That's assumptive selling at its best. Thank you for listening to Attract Pre-Sold Clients, where you get strategies proven to work in businesses around the world. I'm Jason Lynette, and if you're ready to crush the confusion of what to say and how to say it to consistently attract your dream clients, check out our free resources today at attractpresoldclients.com.